0: is Jimmy Scroggins, and I'm the lead pastor of Family Church in South Florida. Welcome to the Church for the Rest of Us podcast. On our podcast, we're committed to giving you scalable ideas that you can use with the resources you have right now at your church. So welcome to Church for the Rest of Us. Hey, guys, we're back And I want to note to all of our Church for the Rest of Us listeners that we took a break over the summer. And we did that because I don't know why we took a break, Leslie.
1: I don't know. I guess I'm going to blame COVID, even though I don't know that that's entirely the reason. I think it might have had something to do with it. Plus, we're picking up this season with something that we were talking about before March of 2020, which is our leadership principles. So before we get into that, I do just want to remind our Church for the Rest of Us podcasters that it really, or listeners, Um, we're the podcasters, they're the listeners, (laughs) that it really matters to us when you listen, when you subscribe. And if you'd be willing to rate us and leave a review, we have one of our favorite books with us today, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Donald Whitney. And the first 10 people to leave a rating and a review will send you the book, as long as it's a good Rating and review. Yeah,
0: that's right. Hey, I like that book a lot. And I know uh, Don Whitney personally. He's a great man and a friend. In fact, uh, Daniel Scroggins, my son, who attends Southern Seminary in Louisville, is actually in a class with Dr. Whitney this semester. So awesome. he's getting to know him. That's pretty cool. That's great. And today, Leslie, we have Scott Crawford with us. He's a familiar church for the rest of his guests. Scott, you wear multiple hats at Family Church overseeing finances, HR, facilities, legal, construction, uh, our schools. We, you know We have hundreds and hundreds of students here in our schools. And you oversee human resources, which is a big part of it. So today, as we launch this series or relaunch it on our leadership principles, we're going to talk about why we decided to define our leadership principles and how we defined our leadership principles. And then we'll spend the next seven episodes unpacking each one of those seven principles. And as always, we haven't figured it all out, but we do think we found something to be really important to us. So Scott, why do you think it's
2: important for us, for any church, to have some leadership principles? Sure. Well, churches already commonly codify things that are important to them, right? So if you go to most church websites, you're going to find maybe perhaps their bylaws. You're going to find their mission statement, their vision statement. You're going to find their doctrinal statements. So they're already, it's already important enough to put it on the website to put it in writing. Because
0: that's why went, Will Mancini makes a living, right? That's exactly right.
2: <laughs> because they really, well, you know what they actually truly stand for, what they believe in, where their values are. And I think we realized, we've been doing this a while, I think we realized we'd done a good job of talking about what we were going to do. We had a clearly defined strategy. We had clearly defined ways of implementing that strategy. But I think it was important for us to step back and talk about the how or the manner in which we were going to achieve that strategy. And, you know, I think it's a healthy exercise to go through that process of actually sitting down taking the time to think through those things that are important to you and how you want to portray yourself and create the the leadership principles. And in some ways, it's a lot the same way that we create an annual budget, right? So you, you start with some guiding principles. You take the discipline of building your strategic spending plan, and then you talk about how you're actually going to execute that plan. The, the how is what we're talking about today.
1: That's so good because a lot of people, I think, say culture is caught not taught. So we're really talking about culture when you talk about defining your leadership principles. And we just felt like, yeah, it is caught to a certain extent, but then you kind of get to the point where it does need to be taught. And so we wanted to go through the exercise of really codifying our principles. A lot of our principles, a lot of our culture is passed on through meetings, meals, and retreats. And so we know that we spend a lot of time together and that's how people sort of absorb the culture. We spend a lot of face-to-face time together, but then we really hadn't defined what it's like to be a part of the family church team. And I'm glad we did since we had to shut down and not have a lot of face-to-face meetings for quite a period of time.
0: So so really when we talk about leadership principles, we're talking about how we're going to treat one another. And so as you have a growing organization, whether that's people who work for us as employees or whether it's high-level volunteers, we really want to start to define how we're going to relate to one another, how leaders who have responsibilities and who supervise people, whether they're paid or volunteer people, how they treat other people. And so we're putting in writing the things that are important to us. And another reason that it's important is the larger your organization is, the harder it is to push down and push through the organization things that are important to you. So this is a part of a way to do it because my instinct, and I think a lot of pastors feel this way, my instinct is to just be an intuitive leader and let people sort of pick it up out of the air because I'm going to say it enough, just let them figure it out. And we've just discovered that the larger you get, the more challenging that is.
1: Yeah. So why is it important, Scott, from your perspective, to put in the principles?
2: Yeah, well, one of the things that you learn is that written words are honestly just often seen as more formal or more consequential by people. You know, so like for us, when somebody calls and wants uh, approval for finances, one of the first things you hear them say is, Hey, can I get that in writing? Well, so there is something to something being in writing that allows you to do that. One of the things it also does is it keeps your 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 mission or your organization from drift. So things naturally drift. And if you talk to people who do any construction or building, if you're off just even one degree degree at the beginning of the project by the time you get 10 20 30 feet down the road that 1 degree becomes 5 degrees becomes 10 degrees so it doesn't take very you know long for it to drift and you be off of your your target and what you're trying to do it also we think drives a, a couple of things one is calibration So one of the things having it codified, written down, something that you can teach and preach and review is it keeps everybody kind of on the same page. Another thing it does is it provides clarity. So it lets everybody know what we're trying to actually achieve or as Pastor said, you know, how we want to treat each other and and it governs that. And then the last is consistency, you know, so having it written down serves that that written reminder helps influence that because it keeps it in front of you at all times.
0: Well, I think that's and I think all of that is crucial because like you talked about drift. So when you're trying to teach people how to treat one another, having these leadership principles, all of us, our minds tend to go to something better, right? So we, all, I'm going to say that a little bit different. I'm going to say that a little bit better. Or uh, if, I'm a, if I'm not the senior leader, I'm, a, I'm somewhere in the organizational chart. I think, you know what they really ought to be saying to our team, and I'll start saying that to my team, which is part of the way that leadership bubbles up. But there's something about having, no, these are the principles that we want to employ throughout the organization. And Leslie, you talked about culture, but we do believe that language helps to create and communicate culture. And that's why putting these things in writing can be really, really helpful and really important.
1: Yeah, we talk about culture a lot, and I think I love your definition of culture. What is your definition of culture?
0: In terms of? Our
1: leadership is culture.
0: Yeah. So we just say that culture is transmitted through, right, leadership, through leadership over, over time. time. That's right.
1: I wasn't getting it right. So <laughs> okay. culture is culture is transmitted through, through leadership, leadership over time. time. And that's really so true. And our culture exists whether we define it or not. And so the importance of defining it and really the leader always has a disproportionate influence on the culture. So that's not your fault as the pastor or the leader of our organization, but that's just the way it is in any organization. So you're right. You carry a certain amount of influence influence. But as the organization grows, then that influence gets a little bit watered down, like you said, through different people who decide they want to do it a little bit differently. So if we want to be consistent, if we want to reward the same things, then we have to steward our culture. We can't just let it out there to to become whatever it's going to become on its own, because it will drift, like Scott said.
2: No, that's right. It's it's made up of the collective influence of the whole team, right? So, so it may start with Pastor Jimmy, but then it's up to each of us at every level of the organization to reinforce that strategic direction. And it permeates every part of your organization. And culture isn't something that you can compartmentalize. So your culture affects everything. It's, it's in the way that you treat each other. It's in how you conduct meetings. It's how you reward performance. It's your, your philosophy of how you're gonna pay people and, and reward performance. So all of those things matter.
1: Some of the things we talk about that culture is not, I mean even though we're talking about the fact that you have to define the culture and write it down and put those principles in place which we've already done, it's really not just a system or an isolated initiative because sometimes people think like we're going to define our leadership principles or values or whatever you want to call them, we're going to put them up on the wall and then there they are and anytime you walk by the wall you can see them or maybe everybody has them on a little plaque in their office and maybe they look at that every now and again but culture Culture really can't be established that way. So it's not just something that's isolated. Some people think that culture is driven just through like perks and fun stuff. Like our culture is the fact that you know every place we go there's a ping pong table or a foosball table, and and we want our you know team to have fun. And that
0: would be somewhere else. That's
1: right. That's right. Just to be
0: clear, <laughs> high atop the complex of the <laughs> family true. church offices, uh, we don't have ping pong tables no, or foosball no, we
1: don't. It's not always something that you have to love every single day because sometimes there are hard. Hard days and that's really where our I think the rubber hits the road with our principles on is in those difficult times. Um, one of our well, I'll just give you a sneak peek, one of the things that we talk about is filling the gaps with trust. And you know, sometimes that comes into play when things get tough, not just when they're easy. So as we define these things, it helps us to be consistent, like no matter the situation. And so that's what our leadership principles do is they define our
0: culture. Yeah. And I think, I think part of that, when your culture is defined and everybody knows how we're supposed to treat one another, and we've got it in writing. So it's consistent. Then it helps people stay on the same page for the way that we pull for one another and the way we hold each other accountable. Cause you're right, Leslie, when things are going well, you don't even notice your culture. It's just going well, so it's the air that you're breathing, and everything's fun, and everything's succeeding, and it's hitting on all cylinders, and you're just like, wow, this is like magic. But when things get a little tough, when you hit some speed bumps, or let's say you have like a like a pandemic, yeah. then you really find out what kind of culture do you really have. How are people treating one another, and how are you leading when all of a sudden everything's not coming up, you know, gangbusters, everything's not everything's coming up, roses, everything that you did. So I do think
2: that that's important. No, that's exactly right. It's like, I can, I can tell my son, son, you know, you can tell your dad anything. You can come to me, tell me anything and don't worry about it. It's all, it's a safe environment. But if when he does bring something to me, I react harshly or I react in a way that, that shows him otherwise, like, then I can say that that that's the culture. I can say this is a safe environment, but the way I actually act when the pressure is applied or the heat's turned up tells him whether or not it really is that safe environment that I've, that I've claimed it is. Yeah, William
0: Vanderblumen uh, writes a lot about this. He said that vision is what God wants us to do, but culture is how you're going to behave while you get it done. He also said uh, culture trumps competency. Culture, that's from the book uh, Culture Wins. And then Horst Schultz, who is the architect of the... Uh, what's the carlton Yeah, the Risk carlton yeah. Hotel chain and their their culture of excellence. He says, when you create a focused, energized culture, your organization can thrive for years and decades to come. And that's what we want for Family Church. And I know that for our listeners, that's what you want for your church too. If you're in a little town, if you're in a big city, if you're in a small church, a large multi-site church – all of us want our efforts to be building something that's going to thrive for years and decades to come. Because if you're a pastor like I am, look, I recognize I'm just an interim pastor. I mean, our church has been here since 1901. I'm the 10th pastor at Family Church, but by God's grace, we're going to have an 11th. And so we want to make sure that our efforts and our our organizational culture actually allows the organization to live on and thrive beyond the three of us and beyond our entire team.
1: Yeah. And even as we grow, like I said, we decided we needed to sit down and figure this out. So I want to talk for a minute about how we did that. Mm. And like you said, any church of any size, any organization of any size can do this. It doesn't take a lot of people. The leader is going to have a lot of influence. And so we worked through a process. I'm just going to run through real quick for all of us. First, we had Pastor Jimmy, because he is our leader, sit down and write some of the distinctives of our culture in his mind. And then we pulled together a half-day workshop for some of the key leaders and our organization. And we actually gave them some pre-work to do. So they had to come to that workshop with some things already written down. We asked them to think about someone who had been a great leader in their life, and then to write down and list why they were such a great leader. So everybody came to our little half-day workshop with all those things written down. And then we split them into groups. I think no real plan or purpose. I mean, there was purpose, but no real way that we did that. It was put them into random groups and they had to put all of those characteristics together and then kind of put them into buckets, kind of like characteristics. And we took all of that and we went and did like a working session with just a few of us and Pastor Jimmy. And from those buckets, we came up with some leadership principles. And then we came back to the group with some kind of loosely organized leadership principles and broke them up again and asked them to put practices or behaviors with each one of those principles. And we took the whole group's input and then we finalized from that some leadership principles. So that's the process we worked through. I don't know that it's, you know, unique or distinctive among processes, but it really brought to forth some things that we could put a stamp on and say, this is the heart of our leader, but it's also the heart of our organization.
0: Yeah. And I think that process was really fun because even the, the the initial exercise of having our different leaders, our key leaders in our organization come out and say, here's some people that have been great leaders in my life. And here's some things that they did that made them great leaders in my life. That was very powerful for us to hear each other's stories about people. And people talked about their dads. They talked about their coaches. They talked about their first boss. And they talked about their pastors. I mean, it was really an engagement. Aging kind of a an exercise, and and also I think made us all feel closer. And yeah. then when we did all of that, I think it underlined our culture of collaboration because everyone, when they got the final document, were able to say, "Oh, that's one of the things that I said." And it's also amazing how leadership influence the things that make leaders influence us clustered. Mm-hmm. And so even though there was you know I don't know twenty or thirty people in the room, and we had all these different leadership experiences the things that made these people great leaders in our lives really tend to cluster around a few things and this exercise highlighted that and made it pretty easy to come up with a final list of you know characteristics that we're trying to pursue here
1: right yeah so now what now what are we going to do we have our leadership principles we're going to talk about them but what do you do once you have them defined we've
0: well, definitely got to tell stories and you've got to highlight where you see the principles in action so I don't think it's as helpful to talk about, yo, oh, my old football coach, or oh, my first boss. We need to be able to tell these stories as they're occurring, kind of in family church universe. So, how is this happening now? Or how has this happened, you know, 10 years ago or 20 years ago and, and put it in family church language? Then we want to keep these principles highlighted in our general communication. So for us, we do a weekly staff email. We have a staff chapel every week where we communicate. So these different platforms, our retreats, our get togethers, we want to constantly be talking about and reinforcing these principles and talking about them all the time, whether it's talking to our residents or our interns or just to our pastors and our pastor meetings. Very, very powerful. And then Scott's team takes these principles and, and uses this, uses them in our onboarding process as well as in our annual performance reviews. And in that way, we keep these principles in front of people and in conversation
2: with people pretty much all the time. Yeah. And HR, if you if you think about it, is really one of the first impressions that you make on a prospective employee. So, you know, we have a high value at Family Church of trying to promote from within and giving people different opportunities within the Family Church network. But the truth is we do hire from the outside sometimes and that HR process the, the, all the way from recruiting to onboarding to job training, all of that sends a message. All of that starts to communicate what is the culture really like at Family Church before they ever actually get into their role and actually performing that role. And so we're, we're pretty intentional about that. And then as Pastor said with our, our annual performance review process, we've, we've talked about this on previous podcasts that, you know, we talked about regular feedback loops that we don't have you know, once a year performance conversations, we have ongoing conversations so that for us, that annual performance review, we do two things. One is we celebrate as we kind of look at the year in review, but then it's also forward thinking and forward looking as we talk about development and next opportunities. And so, again, all of that is permeated in your by by culture for us. So, it makes
1: me think of what Pastor Jimmy said earlier, the Win- William Vanderblumen quote, culture trumps competency. Like, what do you think about that from an HR perspective?
2: Yeah, well, we always say we hire for character and we train competency, right? So you so you look for the person who's got the right DNA that you think is going to actually contribute to the culture of your church. And so you hire for that character and then you can train competencies. And so, yeah, at, at, we totally agree with that statement. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I think as we look at all of this, part of what every church has to do is figure out for you, what does this mean? Because it's easy for you to listen to this podcast. And some of you go to small churches or medium-sized churches and you're like, wow, you've got a guy in charge of HR? Like, what is that even like? And I understand how you might feel because I've served at small and medium-sized churches as well. And the truth is we didn't even have an HR department until just a couple of years ago. But You can do this on your own scale, in your own organization. It doesn't take a lot. You can put together a little team. Even if all you have is volunteers, put together a little team of high-level volunteers that really care about you and really care about your organization. And why don't you just lay out, maybe you don't have seven principles. Maybe you have three. Maybe you have one. But why don't you begin to develop some leadership principles that define your culture for how people that are operating in the organization treat one another. So important and so fun. And there's any way we can help you, we want to do that. So email us, reach out to us, tweet at us, whatever. We'll do everything we can to get with you and help make your organization better. Hey, it's good to be back, Leslie and Scott. I hope that our listeners heard something today that encourages them to think about their culture and how you guys can define it so you can keep building it. You don't want to let it erode. It will get away from you if you don't define it. And within the organization, other silos, little pieces of your organization will start to develop competing cultures within your own umbrella if you're not careful to define it for the whole organization. Culture is mediated through leadership over time. If you're a leader, culture is your responsibility and culture is your opportunity. And if it's not good culture, it's your fault. So let's fix it. Join us next week as we unpack our first leadership principle, B a, family i'm jimmy scroggins signing off for leslie bennett and scott crawford church for the rest of us thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast i'd love for you to check out familychurchnetwork.com to chime in on our blog or follow me on twitter at jimmy scroggins we want to connect with you and learn from you because we're in this together we're all learning from each other we are church for the rest of us